Hyperno Goethe, German-Irish Conversations. Join me, St. Pauli fan and former Dusseldorfer Kieran Murray, in conversation with my guests as we explore the connecting moments of German and Irish life. We delve into the many aspects of arts, language and life across cultures. What do musicians, dancers, artists and writers pick up from both cultures? And how are they inspired and enriched by the other? Hyperno Goethe. German-Irish Conversations is for all listeners who like to go and think beyond borders. This podcast is supported by the Goethe Institute Dublin. Fáilte Road and welcome to Hyperno Goethe. My guest today is artist Vera Klute, perhaps best known for the Luke Kelly sculpture, but more of that later. Um, so Vera, uh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Tell me a little bit uh, about your background, about your German background, where you grew up. Um, so I grew up in a village called Wünnbergharen, which is uh, close enough to Dortmund, about um, an hour's drive from Dortmund, sort of in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, very small population, very Catholic, not not unlike the Irish countryside in some ways, yeah. And what kind of, uh, when you say village, what, what kind of population? About 2,000, or it was back then, it's probably gotten a bit bigger now, yeah. And is it farmland? Is that the kind of... Um, yeah, there's a lot of farming, less less now, I guess. There's a um, there's two villages there. We're not in the pretty one. The pretty one with all the parks and playgrounds is the, the next village down the road. We're in the one with the uh, industrial estate. So there's a lot of industry. And um, yeah, it's close to the motorways. So, do you know... Yeah, you're uh, selling a lovely like. picture here of your home <laughs> village. Yeah. What's the pretty one called? Wittenberg. Okay. <laughs> it's slightly bigger and they do seem to get all the funding for recreational facilities and whatnot. And okay. it's lovely to visit with the kids. But yeah. yeah. And then when you were young, did you go to school there? I went to primary school in our own village and then, and then to secondary school in another sort of town, small town close by. Okay. Yeah. Is that part of the German system in Rhineland where you have to choose after primary school if you want to go to a gymnasium or a... Uh, yeah. Yeah. How did, wh- how did you choose that? How did not, do your parents say... I don't think I was choosing. I yeah. think, um, do you know, anyone who can get by in the gymnasium is pushed to go there. So I was pushed to go there. Yeah. And uh, I, I wasn't that great at school. I was kind of, you know, just getting by really mm. um, without too much trouble. So, yeah. Did you know um, back when you were at school that art was something that you wanted to do? Yeah, yeah. I've always liked art. I've always been making things. Um, I'm big into craft as well, though. I'm, I, I'd give anything a go, do you know. Um, so when I'm not actually making art for the gallery, do you know, I do pottery at home and woodwork. So I, I, I like all kinds of stuff and I guess I always have. Mm. Yeah. Can you do things like woodwork in the gymnasium or are they more no, for the no, technical? No, no, that, no. That, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that gymnasium was absolute rubbish, yeah, sorry <laughs> to say. <laughs> but it, if you if you choose, the, is it Hochschule or the other schools, um, do, are, are they the place where they do the things like metalwork and woodwork because they're training people to be trades workers and stuff? I, I guess it might be. I think with most of these things, you probably will do an apprenticeship rather. Yeah. Um, or in college. Well, I didn't go to college in Germany, so I don't know. But I even in art college in Ireland, I don't think I learned a lot of practical skills. It was more okay. 
There was a lot of emphasis on conceptual art and all of that. Um, so, so all the art and craft and whatever I like doing, and I've always done for myself. Yeah. And um, I guess I've um, it's it's worked out for me that well because I'm very self sufficient when it comes to making things from scratch on a low budget, things like that. And is that something that you learned at home? Because I suppose traditionally girls wouldn't have been encouraged to join their dad and saw wood in the back shed or something? Uh, well, I I don't have a brother, so I don't know if they, they didn't have a choice. I have one sister. So, yeah, I guess my sister is less inclined with handiwork than I am. Um, when I was a teenager, my um, parents, they were converting the attic into um, little apartments and I remember wiring all the sockets in there and now I'm thinking back I'm thinking shouldn't there be a building regulation saying that um, I take it it didn't burn down or no anything. it's fine working fine and I guess it's a, a, a life skill I have now yeah. but um, yeah. yeah when we were talking about where you came from you were telling me about the Schutzenfest Oh God, yeah. Did you did you make <laughs> did you ever make any craft things uh, or tell us what the fest was in your in your village? Well, yeah. First of all, I'm surprised this has not come up because <laughs> I guess it's the sort of in the village where I'm from. It's the it's the main event of the year, um, and so it is in all the villages in the area. And it's just three days of parading around the village, um, um, brass bands, marching music, people dressed up as king and queen and uh, their whole court goes on for three days. Everyone gets terribly drunk. And yeah, so that's kind of... uh, Is it it a very cultural event? uh, Well, look, (laughs) (laughs) it's a a different kind of culture, isn't it? Um, It's it's shooting, it's shoots and shooting. Yeah, yeah. So at the start of the summer, um, they'd have this competition when a wooden eagle is is, um, brought up on the scaffolding. And then everyone in in the shooting club takes a shot at it. Whoever gets the bird down is going to be the the king oh. or the queen. It's open to girls now as well. Recently, which I appreciate. And did you ever get to become the queen? The queen no, the I don't think I. I wasn't. I wasn't really involved. I don't think I've fitted in that much. I've been. I've been watching it from the periphery more so. <laughs> um, but yeah. And because of the the shooting, was that a tradition? Is hunting? Did people hunt? I don't know rabbits or or deer or. Yeah, well, to be honest, I'm not too sure. I guess people back my grandparents' generation, they would have been hunting for food. I know that my granddad had a shotgun and um, he used to shoot shoot deer every now and then. We have a lot of antlers in the house and... um, But I think not as a sport, you know, for food. Yeah. I guess during the world war that's the kind of time okay. we're talking about not uh, recently and if you get when you visit with your children uh, and they see the antlers are they surprised that that they're is it like the head on the wall kind of thing my children they don't mind i guess children they get used to whatever they see they don't question it they just take it on board I remember when I was small, I had a stuffed duck on my bedroom wall and I hated it. And I never was really freaked out by it. And um, I never even considered asking to have it put away. You know, it was just part of the environment. It was just there. 
Does the stuff duck ever appear in your art when you make when you make No, art? it hasn't yet. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's something it I can tap like into in the future. Something from your nightmares that would Yeah, appear. well, yeah. So, how and when did um Ireland uh, fit into this picture? When you were growing up, did you always dream that you would live in Ireland? No. I don't think I made any plans. Um I first came to Ireland when I was maybe around 7 on a family holiday. And we went, um, oh, we went all over the pl- place. I think we went to Donegal, definitely. Well, Sligo, probably, around there. And um, I really ri- liked it. I, I, what I remember from that holiday is just rain and uh, rabbits. And I thought it was great. So after school, I, uh, well, I ended up on sort of a working holiday with the Campbell communities in, in Kilkenny. My mom was a bit pushy about uh, getting me there. I think I would have been happy enough to sort of just relax for the summer after finishing school, but she kind of didn't want me to. Um, so so I got to um, County Kilkenny and I really loved it. I mean, the landscape was beautiful. And the Campile communities, did they work with children? Is that what they do? Yeah, so so I went into a Campbell community called Ballytobin and that one was for mainly for children with special needs. Mm-hmm. But there are different communities for adults as well all over Ireland. And um, But I uh, wasn't really... Um, I, I was just working in the garden for the summer. So they take on extra people during the summer for the organic farming. And um, yeah, okay. really like that. Yeah. And then that that still seems like a long way from art. When you when you finished the Abbey, was Kunst one of your main subjects? And w- did you think that this is something? Where are you from? It's not that far from Castle. Did you yeah. did you ever go to Documenta? Yeah, I I remember going a couple of times with my dad when I was a teenager. He's into art as well, but I was a bit alienated to be honest. I thought it was all very conceptual. It's hard to say if maybe at that age I just wasn't open-minded enough. Maybe I'd see it differently now. Because I, you know, I grew up and all the art I knew was kind of church art, really. And uh, maybe a few of the Impressionists. or uh, my, my dad always used to, he was a bit of a painter. And he, he used to copy the Impressionists and uh, a few Picassos and things like that. So I knew those. But, you know, conceptual art was like miles away from what I was about and still am. So, yeah, no, I didn't love that. I, I actually started art college in Castle and I lasted three weeks before I quit. <laughs> um, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, It just was way over my head. So when you make art now, I suppose... Do you think that it's partly influenced by you being German and yet having lived here for probably half your life or something at this stage? Yeah. Uh, do you think that comes into your art? Being German? Yeah. Um, n- no, I don't think it informs the subject in any way. I don't know. Um, I have to say, I, I like to think I'm very organized and I'm, I was going to say on time, but I wasn't today. So <laughs> that's out the window. No, but I, I deliver things on deadline and um, I'm reliable in that way. So maybe that could be the stereotypical German attributes coming through. <laughs> Do you think that that's something that uh, um, living here as a German, uh, did it frustrate you at first when you came here that Irish people are not very punctual? 
Yeah, I mean, when I first came here, I used to be 15 minutes early and then I'd always have to wait half an hour for everyone. So I'm 15 minutes late now, like everyone else, um, or sometimes more than everyone else. Yeah, I guess it's a certain way um, that you work with. Sometimes I work with subcontractors and um, or I order things and um, it's a different, or I used to think it's different here. You kind of... I have to ask quite nicely here, whereas in Germany I thought you didn't. But uh, little, little did I know I'm doing a big project now with a uh, with a fabricator in Germany close to Hanover, and um, they seem to be uh, like uh, like an Irish company. <laughs> um, I, I went in there with a big PDF sheet of what I needed, exact specifications, and I thought, oh, this is exactly what they want. This is gonna go great. And they were really like, whoa, whoa, step back there. <laughs> one step at a time. So, yeah. But when when being German kind of uh, is part of art making, uh, you were involved in the show uh, The Loneliness of Being German. Yeah. Uh, with Thomas Bretzing. Yeah. Uh, so that that must have reflected on your Germanness in some way. Uh, I guess that, that was the first time that I sort of thought about it, really. Thomas um, came up with the idea to do a show together because he's also German and he's also been living here ages. So we thought, oh, you know, it's a... And, and we'd come across each other. We used to both be with the Molesworth Gallery. So, do you know, we thought, oh, that's a bit of a coincidence. Why don't we do something together? And, um, yeah, so I started reflecting on the on, on my own Germanness and... Um, I guess we were we were taking the essay by Hugo Hamilton, who was on the program as well, with with that same title as a starting point, and I could really identify with that. I guess the more I thought about it, I realised it kind of meant different things to me being German than it did for Thomas. Uh, maybe I'm getting into something else here. Um, to know, um, I felt like I wanted to get away from the whole baggage that you grow up with as a German, you know, I am. Um, Tell me about the baggage. What what kind of baggage do you feel that is there? Well, I don't really. And maybe uh, uh, it is often suggested that I should. Whereas uh, Thomas's uh, parents, they lived during the war. My my parents were born after the war. So um, and, and the grandparents that were alive when I grew up with, they never talked about it. So I always felt quite removed from all that very uh, dark and traumatic side of history, German history. I kind of uh, thinking about my Germanness, I guess I wanted to come to terms with that and um, maybe allow myself an identity as German that um, has nothing to do with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a tricky one because you know yeah. you can't forget history. Even if you feel it's a few generations you know, back, and and you yourself are a bit removed from it, is it still hard to get away from it? Because often, if you watch the movies or something like that, the portrayal of of the Germans. Yeah, uh, in I mean, the I mean, hugely. Growing up, I uh, I really like watching Indiana Jones and Die Hard and all of them. And um, is there any um, kind of German community? Do you think, or do you ever? seek out other Germans or if you're down at Kenny and you hear someone speaking German, are you kind of interested? Yeah, well, to be honest, um, the essay by Hugo Hamilton that we spoke about, the loneliness of, uh, of being German, is all about that, that we avoid each other as soon as we're abroad. And 
I think we do. We kind of, um, I don't know if that's subconscious, um, but yeah, kind of you hear someone German, you walk the other way. I don't know. <laughs> I I kind of find it puzzling that um, other nationalities seem to be completely drawn to each other when they are abroad. Um, I don't, um, I don't really understand that. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there psychologically. I suppose Irish communities, when they emigrated, um, became very strong in the communities they built in places mm. like Boston or uh, in Sydney or stuff like that. They they immediately yeah. Yeah. Um, bonded. But um, maybe it depends on the numbers. I, I can't quite envisage a, a German community centre yeah. for for German activities. But at so. the same time, if I'm moving to Ireland, wouldn't I want to spend time with Irish people if I, do you know, otherwise I could have just stayed in Germany, couldn't I? Or yeah. is that really a simple way of saying it? <laughs> Tell me about um, making art generally. Um, you don't stick to one particular discipline. So is it easy to move from, do you know that you're, where you're going to be most comfortable sculpting or painting or video? What, which which one? How do you know which which one to choose? I don't really. I think I um, well, usually I have an idea for something, and then it's it's practical things. Do you know? Can I do it as a painting or as a sculpture, or what what would work best? And I just try to go go at it with an open mind and um, figure it out as as I go along. Yeah. And is there something that's much more tactile about? sculpting that you're actually using your hands to make something is it a very different process from video making oh yeah but i guess both have uh, uh something really nice and enjoyable about it you know if i've spent a week um, doing mucky things with clay and having to clean up and everything's a mess it's lovely just doing things on the computer for the week after do you know um so i guess it's it's about keeping the balance and uh keeping it interesting for myself as well. Do you think, has COVID been, or was COVID an interesting time for artists because people were much more isolated? But can that be a good time for an artist? I, I, it's terrible to say I had a great time. <laughs> I was going to say, no, I didn't have a great time. Um, but I, there was definitely aspects about lockdown that I really enjoyed, do you know? The first lockdown was heaven. No emails, <laughs> no phone calls, nothing. And I can finally work in peace. You know, I was lucky because I had the studio at home. So I got loads done. And um, that was brilliant. I know a lot of people, they like shared uh, studio spaces and um, they like having a community, which I don't really. I'm uh, I, I'm happiest by myself, really. <laughs> People I sometimes think of artists and they think that artists um, are really well informed about art of all sorts and that they spend all their time in, in museums and galleries and stuff. Do you do you enjoy going to art museums and galleries? I do. I do um, enjoy going to galleries. I don't know. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes I get annoyed with other art <laughs> when I just don't like it. I get really annoyed with it. Um, sometimes when I really like it, then I think, oh, damn, why didn't I think of that <laughs> first? Um, so it's, uh, uh, yeah, I guess it's stimulating in that way. Do you know, um, I do like going to um, seeing older art collections as well, like the National Gallery and all. There's there's a lot that is um, 
that that is still relevant today. Do you know, um, the the visual language doesn't change that much. It's just translated into different forms. And do you have favourite places that you particularly like? Are, are there particular rooms in the National Gallery or something that would be your favourite space? Um, I I'd struggle to say now. No, I like a bit of everything. I like what, looking at portraits. I especially like Tudor portraits, but they don't have any here or not a lot anyway. So I li- Tudor? I li- Tudor portraits. Okay. I really like them. Yeah. Tell me, what, what, what are <laughs> Tudor portraits really? What, what? They're just really flat. Do you, do you know the um, Elizabeth the, the first kind of with the with the um, ornamental dress and everything? With the huge white collar thing, just a head yeah, on the collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hans Holbein, um, okay. a German artist, he did a lot of them for Henry VIII. Oh, I love them. They're lovely and flat. I, I just really like the way that they're almost a bit like, do, do you know, in Egyptian drawings where everything is completely flat. Also in these Tudor portraits, it's really flat. I really like that. And was that a particular style that they wanted to use or was it because they didn't really have the concept of perception and distance at I that time? I don't know. I really yeah. don't know. I don't know as much about art history as I should probably. <laughs> <laughs> but is that a thing as well where people expect you to know a great deal about I art I think history? they do. I think people think if you have a degree in fine art, you know a lot of art history yeah. and I don't. Bits and pieces, you know. Yeah. But uh, we had an hour a week in art college sort of looking at slideshows and stuff. It's not, it's not a lot you'd learn then, yeah. I'd say. And what about um, like that's kind of gallery um, galleries in in Dublin and Ireland? Are there places? Do you when it comes to holiday time? Do you go? Oh, I have to go to Paris and spend my two weeks summer holidays in in all the great galleries and museums and stuff. I, I'm actually dying to go back to Rome. Um, last time I went was five years ago. Yeah, I just love Rome. I I, I love all those marble um, sculptures and and the fountains and all of that. And the Vatican Museum, yeah, I love all that stuff. <laughs> um, I, I have been to Rome once. Uh, again, I get a bit overwhelmed by the number of people. It's, I kind of I wonder if you can appreciate things. You know the the Michelangelo ceiling. Yeah. But there's so many people. I don't even when, think the ceiling is that great, to be yeah. honest. Um, I mean, there's other things that are much better, but um, definitely in uh, can autumn I, can I or quote, winter, I, Rome is lovely. Yeah, can I quote you on that? That the Michelangelo ceiling isn't that great. So. <laughs> I don't think it's no the ceiling where they touch the fingers. No, yeah, yeah. I think the Judgment Day is that in there as well at the end of the room, the, the big Judgment Day mural. That's what. She, yeah, yeah. That's nice. Okay. Sometimes I think it's the things you come across by accident that are kind of on the side of those really famous ones. Uh, It can be really interesting. Oh, yeah. There's always gems. And Um, um, it's funny how different people pick up on different things. Uh, Remember going to the National Gallery with my kids and uh, my middle girl, she was only five. And strangely enough, she she went to all the marble sculptures and looked at them. She looked at nothing else. Mm-hmm. And I had never, you kind of, you, you walk past the sculptures a lot when you're looking at pictures on the wall. And, you know, I guess different people. Do you think children of artists are much more likely to appreciate art and get bored uh, far less? Uh, I, I think all children appreciate art. I think at some age they get intimidated by thinking that it's something that um, or, or they, they imagine that goes over their head or something. Do you know, I think all children 
have a really good instinct for art. Possibly not just children, lots of adults get intimidated by art and, and they think they have to understand it or they have to... Yeah, it, which is ridiculous because yeah. I think a, a, a lot of good art is about not being able to put your finger on it, what it is exactly, that that, that kind of in-between space. Uh, especially small children are very good at just accepting that, that you can't say it's this or that, that it just exists in its own right. And uh, that's something you lose as adults, I think. And when you first see a piece of art, do you think it makes you feel something? Yeah, it should. If it doesn't make me feel something, I'll walk past it. I'm not going to bother. Yeah, I think it needs to be... Um, visually appealing in some way or intriguing or um, it should be interesting visually. Um, sometimes then when you find out about it, you can gain a greater appreciation. But if there's nothing there that draws you in at the start, I'm not going to bother. When you make a self-portrait, is that is that something that's difficult to do? Because it's do you do you think it, it betrays a lot of your inner self that you don't necessarily always give away? No, I think doing a self-portrait is much easier than other portraits simply because I don't um, have to justify myself. Um, do you know, if you do other people's portraits, there's always a level of expectation and people might be offended if they look too old or too whatever. If I do a self-portrait, um, anything goes, really. Mm. I don't, there's, do you know, if I'm happy with it, that's good enough. And, yeah. And and if you're, if you're doing portraits, do you like to use the Holbein uh, Tudor style of, of flat, flat approach to portrait? <laughs> Making. No, I should try to perfect that sometime. <laughs> um, no, I've kind of been moving away from the really realistic painting. Um, yeah, I should look at Holbein again, yeah. <laughs> Tell me this, uh, you, you were part of the Women on Walls yeah. uh, uh, thing. Was, was that uh, an important uh, thing for you to be part of? Did you particularly enjoy that? Yeah, I think it's really important to address these uh, imbalances, uh, not just that particular project, but I think there's a lot of institutions now that are sort of looking at what's on their walls and realising it's all men. If there's women, they are just ornamental. I think you were saying to me before, the the Virgin Mary is out there quite a bit. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when it comes to statues in Dublin yeah. in particular, I, I think there's a Countess Markovic. And yeah. after that, there's almost there's almost none. There's there's, no, there's yeah. very little there, and I and I'm just wondering. I have three daughters, and I just wonder what kind of message does that send out? That you know, men get uh, immortalized in these big portraits, and why is there no women? And you know, it's just not right. And um, uh, fortunately, there, there there's a lot of. Um, institutions addressing that now but it is tricky because the women that got overlooked at the time and didn't have their uh, their portrait done we don't remember them now either so um, do you know they they were put in their place at the time and now it's sort of someone has to go back and dig them out again um, so the Women on Walls project, it was kind of identifying that if you walk into particularly public buildings and those kind of spaces, it's just the pictures on the wall are all men. Yeah. So therefore, to try to address that, somebody has to identify who the women are who are worthy yeah. of a yeah. portrait. Yeah. And the women that, that you did, that were, are they long dead or, or who? who? Uh, yeah, most of them are long dead. One yeah. of them recently. Um, yeah, so they never lived to, to see this. I'm just getting started on a project for Trinity College who are doing the same. So the, the, um, mm. 
the old library, the the long room um, with all the marble busts. There's uh, 40 marble busts of men. They're adding four women now, and I'm doing one of them, which I'm I'm delighted to do. And um, they uh, did a nomination process that was open to current and previous students, I think, and, and staff. And uh, they had no shortage of finding subjects that they would want to see immortalized, but they had to n- narrow it down to four. Who, who did you get? I, I got uh, Rosalind Franklin. No, no one knows who she is. <laughs> she, she discovered the uh, double helix structure of DNA and um, two men got the Nobel Prize for it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And do you think then um, in the in the Trinity Library, are you aware, do they have to take away some of the men in order to make room for the women? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. They might have to. Um, yeah. There's a limited amount of space. I was actually in there today and um, yeah, it's quite full. So, yeah. but, you know, I leave that up to them. Yeah, maybe they'll put it back out to the students to vote on what men yeah. they want taken away. <laughs> <laughs> OK, then, so... When it comes to making art, then, uh, I suppose the Luke Kelly statue is, is very famous now. Were you very familiar with Luke Kelly? Were you a big Dubliners fan when it came to making that? Did you know a lot about that? I, I knew of the Dubliners. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan. I like the music. I'm still not a huge fan. I, I, I like it and I, um, I can definitely see how Luke Kelly was quite special. His voice alone was uh, quite something. He had a personality to go with it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I knew of him. And um, but but the invitation to sort of submit a proposal came out of nowhere. I I looked into documentation about him um, much uh, much more then. And um, yeah. And as part of the process of of making a Luke Kelly statue, did you have to learn to sing a Luke Kelly song? <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten the job then. <laughs> I'd be desperate. Yeah, no. Um, is there something that makes you very proud? Because he's such a uh, such an iconic Dublin and Irish character, capturing a whole kind of period of of Irish history. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm really delighted that I got the job because he's such a national uh, icon. Um, to entrust uh, someone from Germany with that is is great and um, a bit surprising, but um, yeah, definitely I'm delighted about that. Yeah. When it comes to being an artist and making a living as an artist, do you think it might be easier in Germany? Might there be better funding, or might artists be more easily appreciated? I have no idea. Um, I um, I know people are always saying in Ireland that in the rest of Europe there's so much more funding for the arts, but I've been kind of just I've, I should say I've never been in a show in Germany until last summer a very small um, uh, local show in the village, so I've never really uh, known anything about the art world in Germany and I've kind of looked at some funding opportunities, but I don't think. I don't know. If anything, from what I could see, it was harder to get funding. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe it's that kind of thing where people think the grass is always greener. So it might Irish be. artists believe that it's easier to be an artist in Berlin or something. But maybe it's not. I, I think it's very competitive as well in especially places like Berlin. You know, I'm sure it's like London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you are you famous now in the village that you came from? Are you are you like an art star kind of thing? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, 
I, I one person from the village apparently saw my exhibition mm. in Limerick though, and um, uh, she she recognized some pictures. That I did some prints of um, sort of the uh, Schützenfest, uh, King and Queen, and uh, I think she recognized the people in it. Her her granny came up to me in the shop a couple of weeks ago and uh, was asking if it was me. So I've been spotted in the village. <laughs> And and um, Klute is a is a name from that part of Germany in particular. I don't know. In in that village, everyone's called Klute, so um, <laughs> I don't know what that says about it. But yeah, to just jump a little bit, but back back in the village again. Um, was it Plattdeutsch was mainly spoken in the village up to recently? Well, yeah, I think that was the previous generation. So my granddad and uh, his friends they'd only speak Platt. And I wouldn't understand it. I'd probably make out a little bit of what they were saying. Um, I know my dad uh, could speak some of it and my mom couldn't speak it, but she could understand it. Um, but then funnily enough, my husband, um, he uh, he grew up in South Africa, so he knows Afrikaans and, and he can understand Plattdeutsch. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. When you're in your house and you're German and your husband is... Africans, South African Africans. Um, do you think do the children get mixed up? Do they get to hear uh, German and Africans at home? Well, my husband doesn't really speak Afrikaans at home. <laughs> He'd have no one to talk to. Yeah, I don't know. I I tried to speak German to the kids, um, basically all of them when they were a baby. But then as soon as they start preschool, they refuse to speak German back to me. Then they just want to be like their friends and. I got three three kids now and one husband that doesn't speak German, uh, despite many visits. And it's it's just I can't do it on my own to you know. <laughs> do you think when you look back at your childhood, are there aspects of a German rural childhood that you would like for your own children? Oh, yeah, definitely. But I think um, there was also a different time. Do you know, I grew up in the 80s and... Um, I don't know. There, there, there was no internet. Kids used to play outside all the time. Of course, I wish it was like that for my children. I, I think, uh, you know, social media and all of that is a curse for children. Um, so from from that alone. But um, also, we've I, I used to live in Dublin for 20 years and we've just moved to County Kilkenny. And um, it's not... Um, it's not unlike where I grew up, you know. Uh, it's it's different in a lot of ways. Uh, also, yeah, it's uh, it, it's nice to see animals on a daily basis, and um, yeah, I think it's good for the kids. Are there simple things that you remember, like even going back to nursery rhymes and and kind of children's songs, or were there even uh, television programs that you recall in a more innocent time before uh, the internet? That. <laughs> <laughs> that I would recommend for my own children. Yeah. See, all my kids, they used to watch uh, Maulwurf, the little mole, but it's actually Czech, but it was big in Germany. Do you know the cartoons with the little mole? No, I don't think it's so. The, uh, Maulwurf, yeah. Yeah, it, it, there's no language in it, though, and I think it's Czech, but it was a huge hit when I was small, and then okay. my kids loved it as well. Oh, OK. <laughs> so what was it easy to find, or...? Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you can still get it. Um, okay. It's a classic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you, because we were chatting a little bit about this before, but about the German sense of humour, and sometimes Germans get a bit of a hard time um, 
saying that they don't have a sense of humour. What what do you think about that? Is well, I think people that don't understand the language are probably saying they don't have a sense of humour. See, if you, if you didn't speak English, you'd probably say English people don't have a sense of humour. Um, do you know? Tell me a little bit about uh, Laureot. Laureot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Laureot. Um, yeah, he 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 was a comedian. He's dead now. He he was huge in the. 70s and 80s, and he did a lot of uh, uh, live sketches with Evelyn Harman, which are brilliant, and and a lot of cartoons as well. He just um, makes fun of um, what it is like to be German. I think the, the the essence of being German, the the complicated language, the the formality, and um, yeah, I think it's hilarious. So, but I don't think it translates into English necessarily. I don't know if yeah. you could if you could tell someone who doesn't speak German to watch it. Because the because the the what they're laughing at is the intricacies of how the the like that that formal way that Germans can deal with each other. Yeah. But I think German language is quite creative as well in some ways. For instance, you can you can just connect different words together to make one long word that um, means something. It's just hilarious. So, um, and, and, and that is used in like, um, if you read a manual for uh, a lawnmower, you might have these really long words in there where they just stuck three things together. And you know, it's, it's hilarious. A friend of mine was a translator and he had a job of translating uh, technical uh, yeah. manuals. Good luck. Um, <laughs> From German into yeah. English. But yeah, he did say that they had incredibly long words for things that you just needed a sentence then in English to explain. But they just what make thing. things up as yeah. well. Um, um, yeah, weird, weird words that, uh, do you know, I was trying to order a, a, a chainsaw on a stick for my dad. And the words that they came up with on, 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 on the Internet shopping that would describe this thing were like mad. <laughs> do you remember the German word for a chainsaw on a stick? Yeah, it, it, it's Hochentaster, but I read it wrong. I read it as Hochentaster, uh. which doesn't make any <laughs> sense. So, do you know? <laughs> okay, so you thought it was uh, the Taster was the testing <laughs> instead of the Entaster bit. Yeah, yeah Entaster, which makes more sense, but it's even still Hochentaster. Okay. That is weird. Like, do you know, if you look for a chainsaw on a stick, that's not the first thing you type into Google, is it? No, I don't think so. No. And when it comes then to recommendations, because it's nice to give people a sense of what what you would recommend. Is there food? Was there was your region a, a food region? I presume it's not wine. Was it too far north for wine? Or yeah, no, not wine. Um, I'm trying to think of food. I'm vegetarian, and and the whole area is I... all about pork. So okay. I'm not going to recommend any of that. There must have been some vegetables. So did they grow a bone in? Is it was was there was it a bean region? Yeah, beans or is it <clears throat> as well. German potatoes are pretty good. Uh, waxy potatoes. Yeah, um, I've planted some yeah. some in Ireland now. But yeah, I I think um, uh, in Germany you get much much better instant soups and instant sauces. Instant They're soup? far okay. superior to what you get wow, here. Okay. Um, yeah, if you haven't, uh, do try them out. Do you know just the soups that you boil up with water and gravy? That gravy is much better than what do you get here? Bisto. Yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. The packet soups here, I don't, I don't know, no. it wouldn't be my favorite. Yeah. Are there any German dishes that you would cook at home? 
Do your children say, oh, yeah, Mutti, well, Mutti, please, kohlrabi. Uh, That's what I, I really have to have that. <laughs> uh, they do like kohlrabi. Do they? Okay. Um, that, yeah. that, was, that was a kind of a wild guess <laughs> joke there, but there you go. But yeah. we, we, I, mm. I do make, a, I like to think, very good Schwarzwälder Kirschtorte okay. um, for all the birthdays in yeah. our family. And um, yeah. And you have to get special German cherries for that? or uh, They're hard enough to get, but um, uh, Super Value has them. Okay, yeah. <laughs> good good German cherries uh, for that. How do you make kohlrabi? Uh, oh, my husband usually cooks. <laughs> I think you just boil it and yeah. cut it in bits. Yeah. Isn't it with salt? I'm not sure. Okay, that's probably a special Afrikaans <laughs> recipe. That, that Might they be, have. yeah. Yeah. Then I suppose... With, with recommendations, you were saying you're not a great reader, but uh, you're more of a listener uh, yeah. to for talking books. Yeah. Um. Oh, um, I don't really have German uh, uh, recommendations. Well, um, even even non-German things have you. I, I listen to uh, David Sedaris all day long. Um, he's hilarious. Do you know him? No, Is I don't know. Uh, um, his books are autobiographical, really. Um but um, they're hilarious. I wouldn't call it comedy, but it's um, it, it, it's often tragic and uh, comic at the same time. They they're brilliant. He's my favorite, and I also listen to uh, Alan Bennett um, a lot. Oh, uh, Alan Bennett is amazing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love his short stories as well. Yeah, and, and both are uh, middle-aged uh, gay men. So I don't know what that says about me <laughs> that I identify. <laughs> One of my sisters got me a present of a collection of uh, a CD collection of Alan Bennett stories. Yeah, yeah. I I think um, they're much better uh, when when the author reads them themselves as well. I think yeah. you get it's very different. I tried to read uh, Alan Bennett and I didn't think it was funny or I didn't like it at all. But um, when he reads them, they really come to life. Yeah. And perhaps as a final word, then, is it OK to ask an artist what art they would recommend? No, <laughs> no <it's not>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think everyone has to find to find their own thing. Do you know uh, what I'd recommend is not not being scared of it. You know, everyone's opinion is valid and you don't need a degree in art history to decide whether you like something or not. People should just uh, be a bit more open and just go with their instincts. And are places like the National Gallery, is that a kind of a, a really good place to visit? Good place to spend a few it's hours? It's a great place to visit. I'm, I might also um, recommend the RHA um, and the the annual summer show is coming up soon in, in a few weeks. And um, so it's an open submission show from um, all around Ireland. So there's always really great stuff to see. Do you know? Do you know the gallery is massive. Um, it's it's off Stevens Green and it's hung really tightly for that um, for the annual. And there's always amazing things to be found there. Do you, do you submit pieces? Uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm an associate member as well, so I get in um, without submitting at this stage, that, which is that great. Really exciting and quite an honour to be um, brought on board as an associate member. Oh, yeah, yeah. A huge honour. And yeah. again, a surprise when you're uh, not from here. But then again, another um, German artist, Imogen Stewart, she's the oldest member. She's also from Germany. Yeah. Have you met her? Yeah, yeah, she's lovely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm yeah. in good company yeah. there. 
It's a beautiful space too, isn't it? I think even if people are not huge fans of art, just being in that in that space. In yeah, that and, I th- space. and I think especially, you know, dur- during the lockdown or people who don't like crowds, there's always space in galleries. It's never crowded. You know, it's relaxing and um, they all have a nice cafe. They all have a nice cafe. Okay. <laughs> um, it's great to talk to you, Vera. And yeah. uh, thanks very much. Uh, for Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Vielen Dank. Und auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen.